You're more of a husband to me, not being married, than those real husbands are ever going to be. And it's enough. It's really enough for me. And you would be willing to take the whole marriage thing off the table completely? If you, if you promise to commit to me and, and to love me... I already have. I'm not, I've been I'm not I've been, finished. Okay, all right. But I've loved you for seven years. I'm, it's been... Okay. You have to snake the drain when my hair gets clogged. You know that happens, okay? <laughs> okay. And also, you have to let me eat those wheat things. Ed, you gotta, you gotta give me that. It's okay, fine. Okay? All right. Welcome to part two of our He's Just Not That Into You episode. Uh, but before we go into real talk, we're going to do a little bit of PP, our patron pitch. This is where we let our patrons know what they can expect on our exclusive patron channel. Uh, we also let non-patrons know what they're missing out on. Alex, brand new set of QVRs, a brand new uh, patron exclusive episode. We got, we got the goods here on this uh, PP installment. Let's get started with QVRs. Patron Taylor Martin has given us Tucker and Dale versus Evil for you, a Sunset Boulevard for me. Now, just based on those titles, even if you didn't know the the movies, I think that there's a, a very marked difference between what you got and what I got. Yes. <laughs> uh, your sounds fun and kitschy, and mine sounds... Uh, refined in black and white. Yes, and they are. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think that's the the accurate way to describe both of them. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, well, this is a QVR, so I, I'll I'll tell the backstory here. But I, so I watched Sunset Boulevard once a long time ago. It played at the at the Paramount during their summer festivals that they used to have. Maybe they still do. And so I watched it there, either the Paramount or the or the State, like the side theater next to it, and. Uh, I'd heard about it for the longest time. I remember watching it thinking it was good. This is the first time I'm going to do a QVR on a revisit of a movie, and it's a classic movie, so I'm actually looking forward to seeing uh, how that plays. Because, you know, sometimes those classic movies, they kind of wow you with the prestige, but then they don't really hold up when you watch them again. So mm -hmm. curious about that. Now, Tucker and Dale, is that is that a new one for you? Yeah, I've heard of it. That's uh, Alan Tudyk's in it, right? Yes, yeah, he's yeah either Tucker or Dale. He's not evil, though. Good to know. But yeah, that'll be a new one for me. <laughs> All right. So we have those for on the quick video review side. Then patron Jamie Russell is making us watch. He, he's doing a, I don't know if he did this on purpose or it just happened. Uh, Jamie's a pretty smart cookie, so he probably did this on purpose. But he, uh, he picked our next bonus episode on the main feed. That's going to be Last Action Hero. You know, awesome. Schwarzenegger, I guess, misunderstood masterpiece from what I've heard. Uh, and then for the exclusive patron uh, feed, he picked The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So, last action hero, last black man. What is Jamie trying to tell us? I don't know. But I'm looking forward to uh, <laughs> giving last action hero the contrarian treatment. I am looking forward also to discussing Last Black Man in San Francisco with you, Alex. Because I'm pretty sure you haven't seen it, right? I have not. Okay. No. I saw it a long time ago when it came out, and it was... Uh, well, I'm not going to spoil it for you. We'll talk about it. And all you patrons will get to hear us talk about it. Um, additionally, you know the stuff that you can always count on on our patron channel. The pre-recording notes, the cut room mm -hmm. floor clips, like stuff that they make into the episodes. Of course, our Rock Cena miniseries. You know, you've, you've got part four. Uh, they're ready and part five is coming soon. Just the <laughs> concluding the... What do you call a group? It's not a quadrilogy because it's five parts. Uh, a quintet? Quintetology? <laughs> I don't know what you would call it, but it's way more coverage than any rational human should have ever done on that match. So uh, <laughs> with the the part five, you're going to be at like 12 hours of material relating to the, the Roxena feud. But that is all on our patron. So yeah, as Julio said, be sure to check it out. Yeah. And of course, uh, our last installment of uh, Friends Travaganza After Hours. Thank you. 
for this one, well, it's a Rachel Green episode, so we got to do another Jennifer Aniston movie, and uh, we landed on Along Came Polly, uh, a 28%er. What can you say? Jennifer Aniston, Ben Stiller, Phyllis Humer Hoffman. And as we mentioned in our last After Hours, Hank Azaria. So, yes, the, the I'm very much looking forward to discussing this movie. Yeah, the table is set for a, for a good finale um, on both ends, uh, the main feed and the After Hours for the Friends Travaganza. So, if any of that sounds interesting, go to our Patreon channel, Patreon.com/slash/ContrarianPrime. Check out the tiers, see if you would like to contribute to the cost and join the Contrarian Supplements. and $10. We have our respective tiers. $1 gets you in on the ground floor. Get access to the Roxena episodes, the uh, patron-exclusive episodes. Patreon.com slash Contrarian Prime. Go check it out to all of our current patrons. Love you all so dearly, and we are always taking applications for new ones because we want to continue to give you what you want. (laughs) Uh, We love providing the content, and we know you all love it. And there's just more y'all out there that y'all are missing out. So go check it out. And now, Alex, let's talk about love. Let's. After my first date with Neil, I called him. There are no rules anymore. And I mean, why should you have to wait for him to get off his ass? Love in the times of the of the Aniston. Yeah, let's let's talk about love. Let's talk about Bradley Cooper, man, just flying too close to the sun. Uh, to uh, go back to some of the things I mentioned in the first portion, directed by Ken Quapis, screenplay by Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein, based on the uh, book He's Just Not That Into You by Greg Berent and Liz Ticillo. Ticillo. It was released on February 6th, 2009. It premiered at the... Uh, Le Alp de Hutz Film Festival on January 24th of 2009. So they put this bitch through a, a <laughs> film festival before they gave it to the, the general public, before they fed it to the trough. And uh, budget of $40 million. And like I said, with that very strategic release date of the weekend before Valentine's Day, they got a $180 million box office return of, from it. It's an ensemble piece. Uh, at this stage of the game, ensemble pieces, I think, have just a lower than low expectation and general opinion. Because, like I said, New Year's Day, Valentine's Day, even like fucking um, New Year's Eve, excuse me, is what it was called. New Year's Day is the direct-to-video sequel. There you go. Like the Expendables, the... First one was pretty cool. The second one was awesome, but then the third, I think they even made a fourth one, and it's just kind of like diminishing returns. And then, yeah, from the rom com perspective, these ensemble pieces just became everyone gets five minutes in a movie, and you know, make it count. Wink, wink. Everyone gets a big payday. Everyone, you know, is fairly confident that they're gonna make money off of it, and so. Let's just uh, let's show up and have a good time. And there you go. New Year's Eve made one hundred forty-two million dollars. So <laughs> somebody's got to pay Robert De Niro's salary. And I understand why these movies exist. Um, I understand they're not for me. Why I'm trying to badger where the general opinion is right now is because they're good. There are good ensemble movies, and specifically in you know the modern time that this was released. I wouldn't like this to be lumped in with New Year's Eve or uh, Valentine's Day or Expendables 3 because <laughs> I think there's some really good shit to this movie. Uh, before we go any further, Julio, 41% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, uh, you know, pretty close to splitting things down the middle. What, uh, what other quotes do you have for us? All right. Two more rotten, two more fresh. Uh, start with Rotten from Clay Kane from BET.com. says... Works as an hour episode of Oprah or a 30-minute episode of Sex and the City. But as a full-length movie, I'm just not that into it. Uh, she did the thing, Alex. Or he did the thing. I don't know. Clay could go either way. Um, Peter Howell from the Toronto Star gives it a fresh tomato and says, A few truly profound statements emerge from the swirling hormones. <laughs> I, I, I guess, I mean... Hormones are swirling all over this movie, right? That is oh, yeah. not inaccurate. So, yeah, I guess it's fine. Uh, 
Steve Rhodes from Internet Reviews takes aim at Ken Quapis. If your director can't elicit some terrific performances with actors such as Johansson, Aniston, Connolly, and Barrymore, it's time to replace him and get someone who can. He's okay. asking for Quapis's head. I guess, yeah. This dude knows what he's doing, man. Get me Gary Marshall. Yeah, I guess that's what he wants. <laughs> and then finally, Kelly Jane Torrance from the Washington Times says, Miss Aniston, however, steals the show. She might never have done better work than she does here. Fitting one to close as we as we head into real feelings about this movie and Jennifer Aniston in general. Yes, Jennifer Aniston. Has she never been better than in this movie, Alex? I I don't know. Like, <laughs> I'm kind of surprised that you weren't joking. You really think she's like a an actress? I think she's a really good actress at what she does. Yes, I agree that she's not like versatile, you know, as in like I don't even know if she's tried to play characters that go beyond, you know, the kind of like the girl next door persona that, that she seems to play in most of her uh movies. But that doesn't mean you know, we've been it feels like we brought it up a few times, you know, like there's the chameleons and then there's like just the actors that kind of have less range but that doesn't mean that they can't do what they do really well and i think she's she's really funny that's my main thing i should be clear i don't begrudge her for this um she's obviously made one hell of a career off of it and people still pay to see it so fuck yeah i keep doing the same trick it's just i will kind of (laughs) tom cruise it no no hold on (laughs) <laughs> when someone tries to proffer that she's like a great actress or something, she's Rachel in everything. But but, uh, but you, she could be. I mean, we just she don't could know. Be. Because... We don't. Okay, yeah, I was about to say we don't know if she could be. But um, like just the way she greeted Ben Affleck in their first scene, I'm just like, she's Rachel. <laughs> hey, oh yeah, it was a day or whatever the fuck she says. It's, uh, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. And I agree. At the same time, what I said in Contreras Corner Hand holds, which is that for whatever reason, they gave her the, the story that didn't allow her to be funny. Like, mm-hmm. say, for very precious moments where she has, like, maybe a one-liner or a reaction. But for the most part, she had the sad story. And so I thought that was very un-Rachel-like because, uh, like Hot I said. Take. I- Hot take incoming. Really? Okay. Well, <laughs> that's that's because she couldn't have pulled off either of the other two parts. As in what? Like like uh, Jennifer Connelly? Jennifer Car- Connelly. I'm sorry. When I say other two parts, I mean the women she's associated with in the movie being Jennifer Connelly and uh, Jennifer Goodwin. Um, I definitely agree with Jennifer Goodwin, but that, I don't think that that's. I think that's just a matter of uh, persona. Like you know, Jennifer Goodwin just exudes that kind of naivete i think that you need for that character to work she's excellent in it like i oh, meant yeah. what i said like there were parts of this that i was like watching you know through my fingers over my face i'm like oh my god make it stop like that cringe shit but, but you're it's always because on her side so, yeah, yeah 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 but it's just because she's so convincing that's right. the thing it's because i'm on her side and i don't want her to embarrass herself and because i'm watching a movie i can see where you know what's a, the the road that lies ahead of her and she's like no stop yeah. See, and she, but she could be very frustrating uh, if she wasn't. If you didn't have that that special, like that specific type of like chemistry, I guess, with the world. So I think that that's. I think that that can't be helped. <laughs> yeah. All that was missing was Justin Long knocking her to the ground and mounting her and saying, <laughs> "You think you're so perfect." And the- <laughs> <laughs> And then he that, gets an Oscar nomination for that. He does. I mean, he, uh, no, Joaquin didn't. No, no, that was your uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman one for Capote. But um, yeah, the last time I watched Walk the Line, I completely forgot how just fucking distressing that scene is. She's just like on the ground crying. He has like a hammer at one point. It's like, Jesus Christ. The Joker, man. Yeah. Um, but uh, okay, so back okay, but, to, but Jennifer Connelly. Yeah. I don't know. I think that the, with Jennifer Connelly, I I don't know. I, I think. See, I've I have one based thing on over based you. on what I have 
mm-hmm. in front of me. Th- you cannot for a second tell me that Jennifer Connelly is not a better actress than Jennifer Aniston. I think uh, she has a better career. Like as far as like, you know, we've it's, it's the... Um, see, we're getting to a point now where we're talking about the we don't know, but it's like, I feel like I know that fucking Jennifer Aniston couldn't have done Requiem for a Dream. Like... <laughs> I'm positive of that. <laughs> it's so hard though because you know she's now that filmography. It kind of weighs against her because now you have a, a Jennifer Aniston persona in <laughs> your mind. De- I can to clarify: we're not saying this like that. She's bummed out about this. <laughs> yeah, this this woman can like buy. She could just walk to my house right now and just here here's cash. See ya. The bank would just. <laughs> kick me the fuck out of here so okay but see i've seen i was about to say here's the one advantage in quotation marks that i have over you when it comes to jennifer anderson i've seen at least one of her uh oscar Beatty performances like uh her, did you ever hear about cake the the movie the poster for the movie is just her face and it's just very like non-glamorous like you know no makeup and uh no there was like Oscar buzz for, I don't know, like 10 minutes about it when it first came out. But then the movie didn't get very good reviews. And I think it just kind of peter off. And I think maybe when they announced the nominations that year, some people were kind of shocked that she didn't get nominated. But overall, I mean, I've seen the movie. And I was like, yeah, I wouldn't have nominated her. But you can definitely see that she was trying something as far as, you know, playing a character that was very much not the typical character that she plays in most movies and uh it was not like the problem with the movie was not her performance you know because she plays this woman that has uh had a car accident so her her back's all messed up and so she's in constant pain and there's a lot of her being driven around by her housemaid or whatever and uh, at some point she meets contrarian's favorite Sam Worthington and uh, they kind of start this weird relationship and it's just a drama that kind of goes nowhere but her performance is like good like I can see why she she took it's her uh, it's her kissing a fool you know we're like oh she's trying to prove that you know she can do something else get off my fucking property before I call the police I'm sorry I wish I could do something I can't live with myself if if I could switch places, I would. I wanted to tell you that at the trial, but my lawyers wouldn't let me. Get out of here! Get out! Claire, I should fucking kill you! She's right. Please get the performance wise it was fine the movie was not good but based on that you know i wouldn't just completely write her off as in like oh she can only play variations of rachel green i haven't seen something like that from let's say matthew perry (laughs) or matt leblanc uh, even Corey cox well i was about to say the problem is we were talking about this on the last episode we for all these things we have EZA right in front of us like that coming off that so recently and like that being the one thing we've come across so far where it's like, okay, this person can do something that's not just this thing they made millions and millions of dollars from. They can do this right here. And with Rachel here, it's just kind of like, it's like the movie tries to, they try to present her is like an aged version of Rachel. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this would yeah. this would be Rachel, you know, ten years after the show, that type of thing. Yeah. And again, she's not bad. She's not bad in anything. She's funny in uh, Office Space. She's pretty funny, and I've only seen the first one, but Horrible Bosses. Yep. And um, so I get all that. It's just it, it, it's I, I'm misdirecting hostility towards you because I have. <laughs> <laughs> seen people and when i was reading about this talk about how good of an actress she is and i'm like really uh because i haven't really seen that uh but hey prove me wrong but i think that you know we also we just need that type of movie star i think that uh i mean it's kind of a shame because 
you know, I was, they've been talking about this forever, you know, for years about how just basically that romantic comedies as a genre are kind of like in a decline, right? And yes. So I well, blame Joe Apatow. Yes. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Among many others. But so the kind of movie that would star uh, Jennifer Aniston, where she kind of, you know, what's about her figuring out her love life. We don't make many of those anymore. And so, but that doesn't mean that there's no value in them. And I think that there was, I remember the 90s, you know, and I've seen a handful of Jennifer Aniston romantic comedies where it was just, you go in and you have a good time and she is charming, she's funny. And specifically about her work, you know, on Friends, uh, I, I think Billy mentioned it on his clip, like she has really good comic timing. And there's a lot of, uh, I, I think that she's actually, underrated as a comedian in friends because everybody always thinks of of you know the big performances yeah you know joey is like really dumb and phoebe's really weird and monica's really like uptight and ross is really like dorky and chandler is a smart ass and rachel is just like oh well she's hot and she also happens to be kind of like the girl next door she's she's hot but she's also like approachable you know that's the whole point like ross gets to date her because you know she is still approachable so I think that her persona is like the less gimmicky, and she, but she gets to be really funny in it. You know, as you watch her like throughout the show, I, I think she's easily the the funniest after Chandler, and I don't know, like I didn't think that that was a rare opinion, but now hearing Billy rank her sixth out of <laughs> out of six gave me pause. I wonder how many people agree with him, how many people agree with me that she's actually one of the the funnier ones. Um, so it's kind of a bummer because I, I told you I've seen this movie before. I didn't remember how the chips fell. I don't know why I thought that Jennifer Aniston had the Drew Barrymore story. I'm like, oh yeah, Jennifer mm. Aniston is the one that has like the voicemails and they're like getting rejected in many different mediums or whatever. Uh, and so watching it, no, this Jennifer Aniston is the one that has the Oscar scene where she's like, it's bullshit, it's bullshit, and just keeps saying that over and <laughs> <Yes>. over again. <laughs> She has the, the the heartfelt story, the, the traditional let's let's celebrate the institution of marriage story. Uh, she doesn't get to be funny. I mean, that's my 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 big disappointment when it comes to Jennifer Aniston because she could have, and it's not that she can't. So that means that she's specifically directed to like just play this character, uh, just tone it down. You you don't have to be funny. You know, just <laughs> this is the sad part of the movie. Leave the funny stuff for like the rest of the cast, uh, <laughs> which is kind of a waste, I guess. But it's I gonna, imagine she's it was also going to cost them more for her to tell a joke. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, you really want me to turn it up? Then it's the budget goes up. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's fitting in the French extravaganza because so much of what we covered was about the the cast of Friends trying to play different notes to different levels of success. So I guess yeah. in a way it's appropriate that uh, the movie that we do for Rachel features Rachel not really being funny, but not in a bad way. It's just that's what the script required. So I don't know. I I remain Team Aniston. This is not a movie that makes me think that she can't or that she's like a lesser performer. And I think okay, overall, I like it. Like I, I now that we're in real talk, I I thought it was. Funny, like I, it, it was. I think even funnier than I expected on rewatch. Dude, it was a lot better than I remembered. Yeah, it ain't Goodfellas, but like, oh man, it, it, there's something to it, and we we talk about this more and more. It seems like, especially during the French Stravaganza, because a lot of these movies rely on the rom com tropes. I don't. I guess I can't put my finger on really why these are so like persona known grata now just movies like this where it's like yeah these are characters made for a movie this is clearly a movie there's no way these people could afford these apartments but whatever it's supposed to be an escape for an hour and a half two hours and then yeah they all end up you know happy together and in this case you know you have a couple of side stories like b coop fuck off he deserves that what do you got <laughs> but it's yeah i don't i mean we had the big sick that was the last big one I could really think of in terms of just like, but even then that had to have like drama elements to it. Yeah. And dude, just sometimes you need the wedding singer. Like, <laughs> uh, what's a, what's a rom-com you really like? See, I saw 
one recently. Speaking of, you know, we have Simon Pegg in the brain because we had him in the last after hours. Mm. Uh, fuck, what's it called? It's him and uh, the actress from Children's Hospital. Lake Bell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it was really funny. It, it is not that old. It's like a fairly recent, like the last few years. Man Up? Yeah, Man Up. It's really funny. Uh, it was on Netflix for a while. I don't know if it's still there, but uh, it's Man Up. It's like a good recent like romantic comedy. That nice. uh, it's just what you want, you know. It's like it's fluffy, it's fun, it, it's funny. You like the characters, they do silly shit, and then they arrive at a happy ending. Yeah, Jim's got to end up with Pam. Like it's uh, I don't know. I don't know why everything has to. I understand there's the real world and in the real world, you know, people have cancer or someone dies or, uh, you know, relationships are more layered than that. But sometimes you just need along came Polly or something like that. Now I'm giving <laughs> Jennifer Aniston credit. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God, she's, she's good. Though. She has, she has some really good movies in her, uh, you know, when we're ranking on this curve or like grading on this curve of, you know, you're looking for like, Best Picture Oscar contenders, but just as far as like crowd pleasers, I remember going to. I think we did this. We talked about this when we're not recording, but you know, I remember going to the theater like in the nineties, watching Picture Perfect and The Object of My Affection, and you know, fine movies. I can if we were doing them for the show, I'm sure that we would pick them apart, just tear them to pieces and make fun of them or whatever. But truth is, when you go in and you know exactly what you're in for, you just have a good time because Jennifer Aniston is charismatic and she's usually surrounded by an equally charismatic supporting cast and just got away with it, you know? So I think of it, I mean, to say that, you know, I think of her as a type of, her movies as a type of a comfort food might be, you know, it sounds demeaning, but it's not meant to be. Okay, let me, let me just see if, if I understand so what you're saying is, if I hear a story about a girl who's been with a guy for 13 years and he finally married her, that's the exception. Yes. But the rule are guys like Neil, who are with girls like me for seven years and aren't married, they're never getting married. No. No, 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 no. no. Okay, so so two questions that are like they have to be asked when when anybody's talking about this movie. I think uh, one is rank the four stories from like the one you enjoyed the most to the one you enjoyed the least. Um, I mean the Janine, Ben, and Anna one would take top billing just because like it's so tawdry, but also the acting is so good and produces without question the best scene in the movie. Um, Home Depot, you mean? Yes, yes. Okay. I don't really like Kevin Conley. To me, he sticks out like a broken thumb in this movie. <laughs> but goddamn, dude, Drew Barrymore is so effortless in this role. Like, just it's just nothing to her. And that scene at the end where she calls him and like goes to sit with them, and they kind of end up together off that. It's like. He seems completely engulfed by what's going on, and she she just is an absolute rock star. Kevin Connolly is just letting everybody else's star power kind of like move him this way and that way. Yeah, he's not like putting up much of a fight. He's just he's 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 floating the river. He's just like, all right, we'll see where I'm going to go. Another beer, sure, why not? Uh, so I guess it would be. Yeah, it would be Janine, Ben, and Anna, and then Gigi, Connor, and Alex, uh, Beth, and Neil, and then Connor, Anna, and, and Mary at the bottom. Even though, like, I just was given high praise to Mary. I think, yeah, my qualms with Jennifer Aniston aside do not affect my enjoyment of this movie or her story. I think I like how the issues between, you know, romantic counterparts in this vary from kind of juvenile do you like me to the question of you know why don't you want to get married that type of thing there's a mm -hmm. different it's it's a broader spectrum what about yourself um i think i'm gonna see i really like from just like an entertainment uh point of view i probably had the most fun with jennifer goodwin and uh justin long just the uh, that interaction, that dynamic of like, oh, she's really naive and he's 
he's just imparting this wisdom and in the yeah. process of him training her in a way they fall in love like that's you know that story that that formula works really well for me i am not crazy kind of like what i said in this corner i am not crazy with just where it all ends because uh ju- that's just like my personal beliefs i think that she was very much in the wrong and he was right i mean yeah maybe he was closing himself off to to connect him with someone but all the stuff that he was saying was actually pretty good advice and i think uh-huh. advice that a lot of people need to heed and so for the movie to undercut everything he's been saying at the end it felt like a, a wrong decision so i think that's why i put that one as my number two and i would put my number one uh ben affleck and and jennifer aniston who were not funny and that's my main problem with it but it was also the most uh emotional for me out of all of them i really liked the turn on both of them that you know she she kind of relearns to appreciate everything that she loved about him you know just like oh she rediscovers that he is a good man and then he kind of learns to see through his own not bullshit but you know okay so he has these these beliefs and then in the end he's like oh but you know what love is love is sometimes doing what the other person wants because you want her to be happy so that whole thing was you know i think that that parallel your real life experience yes yeah Uh, you know i didn't want to get married and then but then in the end it came up like oh well what it means to me like what not getting married means to me is nothing compared to what getting married means to the person I love. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. Let's get married. You want to get married. We can do that. I mean, I can, it's, but that is a call that you make entirely because you care for the other person, not because you uh, necessarily feel differently about marriage. You know, it's like, I didn't have, I, I was not objecting to marriage in the, in the way that he is here where he was just like, Oh, it's just absolute nonsense to me. It was just more like, Oh, I don't really see the need for it. <laughs> and, yeah. But then, you know, it's like we did it and I'm happy we did it. Even like now when we talk about it, it's funny because, you know, you always think about the things that you would do different. And, you know, we always think about like, man, it was so much work. And But I'm like, you know, we did it for us and we also did it for all our friends and family that came to it. And so yeah. that made it even more special. So, um, so yeah, and then I, I agree with you about Kevin Connolly. Like I put like all his shit is at the end for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah b coop and scar joe uh jennifer connelly i mean that is it's really hard to watch but it's they're really good so actors you, you agree the home depot scene rules yes yeah and yeah. The, the way you described this it's you know spot on because he is he thinks that he's breaking up with her <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he's not and then he's like bummed, but he doesn't have a much uh, enough of a spine to say anything about it. Yeah, you can read it in his face. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, no, I don't want to leave. <laughs> it's- and just her, like, she's great in it too, because she, you can tell her character, she's like immediately reassuring herself in her mind mm-hmm. that, okay, no, this is just a setback, and we'll get through this, that type of thing. And I mean, Scarlett Johansson's great and everything. She that we need to know if she can sing. We need to know if she can sing and dance so we can put her in that category of like the last of the actual showmen show women that See, uh, can do she, it all. She has a musical number in uh Hail Caesar, the Coen Brothers movie, but I don't remember if she sings in it or if she's just part of the production. Because now she comes out of a pool or something, but I think it might just be her, you know. Sad we didn't get um any stream crossing of the Beth and Neil story with uh, Ben and Janine. We could have had like Chris Christopherson and B Coop walk up to each other and do like the mirror thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, the end of uh, annihilation. Just- yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's a tremendous <laughs> reference. Man, this movie will shoot up to five stars. Just the balls on Ken Kwapi. <laughs> Ken Kwapi. Uh, shipped to theaters under the codename Boy Trouble. I don't remember this specifically, but do you remember that back in the day? You never really had to build up prints, did you? No, yeah. In College Station, I did. I, I was in projection College Station for, 
at least a year before I yeah. transferred to Austin. So yeah, no, I build my share of movies. Do you remember how they would have like false names on them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Boy Trouble. That's such a juvenile <laughs> title. I know. And it's like, that's not, the movie's about men having trouble with women too, you dipshit. Did you not even watch <laughs> the own movie? Uh, shout out, I always forget this dude's name. Uh, he played uh, Perry on Undeclared. We got the two Undeclared uh, connections here with Busy Phillips. And um, he is at the bar. He calls, uh, Justin Long calls him Droopy Dog when he's just like assessing the situation. Oh, and he with, buys like, uh, that girl a drink. Jarrett Grode, a guy who I don't know why never really had bigger roles in the Apatow universe, but that dude is fucking hilarious on Undeclared. And um, so, yeah, he deserves a shout out. Hello. Hello, is Ross there? Uh, no, he's not. Can I take a message? Yes, this is Russell, Ross's divorce lawyer. Just tell him that since I haven't heard from him, I assume he's decided to give the marriage a try. Ross got married again? <gasps> no! <laughs> Uh, being that this was 2009, Friends had been done and ended for about five years. But the closest one to this for Rachel was the last one, <laughs> which uh, premiered on May 6th of 2004. After having sex with Ross, Rachel says it was a perfect way to say goodbye. And he realizes he is still in love with her. Phoebe and Joey pack Monica and Chandler's belongings as a couple accompany Erica to the hospital. Who is Erica? Oh, man, this is... I've, I've never watched the final season, so... Oh, wow. I have no idea. <laughs> Are you okay with me spoiling this for you, Julio? I know who it is. <laughs> I know. Ross and Phoebe race to the airport to tell Rachel of his feelings, but she gets on the plane anyway. Meanwhile, Erica gives birth to twins, which Chandler and Monica named Jack and Erica. Still on the plane, contemplating Ross's plea, Rachel has a change of heart. She leaves the plane and goes to Ross's apartment to tell him that she loves him. After years of separation, the two finally get back together for good, saying this is it, hinting that they will marry after the series. Parenthetically, which is revealed to be true in the spinoff, Joey. Uh, I think Erica is the Anna Ferris character, which is uh, surrogate mother. Because I think it, there's a whole thing about Chandler and Monica not being able to have kids. and uh, Interesting. Yeah, I think there's a whole thing during the season. I want to say Anna Ferris ends up coming as a surrogate or somebody as part of that story. Back in Monica's apartment, the friends turn in their keys and go out for their last cup of coffee together as a group. The series ends with the friends leaving and a camera panning at the apartment in the city. Well, do you guys have to go to the new house right away or do you have some time? We got some time. Okay, should we get some coffee? Sure. Okay. Where? <laughs> uh, not for nothing. You just got chills reading that? 52.46 million Americans. <laughs> My God. I know that's the one that ends because she he's she's like I did get off that plane and standing in the doorway. Mm -hmm. Nah, man, the only one of friends I can ever remember that ended, and I was like, uh, "Holy shit, that that was good!" Or you know, the the chills factor is, um, fuck, I gotta look up this actor's name right now. Larry Hankin. Oh was, yeah, the neighbor. Yeah, when he dies and pain and gains, Larry Hankin. That's the the page I went to was <laughs> pain and gained. Uh, also, he played um, Kramer on an episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> Have you ever seen that where they're making Jerry's life yeah. into a yeah, TV yeah. Kramer? Yeah, yeah, TV Kramer. There you go. But he he dies, and then they like the episode ends because he was like a crotchety neighbor, and then Chandler's like, "Goodbye, Mr. Heckles." We'll try to keep it down. And it's so stupid, but it's like also like just what we're talking about. Sometimes you need cheesy shit like that to yep. end it all. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. So all in all, this is a fun time at the movies. 
I think. Oh, oh. Uh, well, I have one one second question, Alex. Uh, the, the other. The, oh, is, yeah. Is it, here's the other one. It's it's closely related, I guess, to what we're talking about, which is which character are you in this movie, or which one do you identify with the most? Ah, shit. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Busy Phillips. I try once, and I'm like, ah, fuck this person. <laughs> uh, I mean. I definitely was Jennifer Goodwin. I was definitely Gigi when I was younger. I was just so enthusiastic and constantly overthinking things and, you know, wanting things to be there when they clearly weren't. So I feel that um, I feel some Neil action because I would like to just have a boat and go away and not be bothered. <laughs> I don't, I'm, no, I'm Chris Christopherson in this because he just wants people to shut up so he can eat. That's like... <laughs> I relate to that so hard. No, I, I'm sorry to say I'm a blend of Gigi and Neil. That Those would be the ones that I think I understand the most. Oh, like the part where she uh, Jennifer Aniston comes in and asks Ben Affleck, like, why are you doing that? He's like, you asked me to three weeks ago. I was like, dude, <laughs> feel you, brother. Uh, are you uh, are you an Alex? Are you a Justin Long? Uh, no, no, because I don't I don't have the patience to like teach people. <laughs> what I know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, as much as I hate to admit it, it, I mean, I guess I was a less wienery version of Kevin Connolly. Y- you know, the whole like, you you completely misread or, well, I guess Jeff- Jeffrey Goodwin does it too, but, you know, Kevin Connolly, his relationship with Scarlett Johansson, it's, a lot of it is his own doing. And and mm-hmm. I think that this movie kind of walks that line where it doesn't really vilify Scarlett Johansson. Like, it, it, it kind of, like, shows you that it's both of them getting into that situation, right? Like, she is... She's definitely taking advantage of a guy that she knows cares for her. Like, there's no way that she doesn't know that he has really strong feelings for her. Uh, but just the same way, like, he is in denial about the fact that she doesn't have feelings for him. And so, it's kind of like he really has no room to complain. And uh, yeah, I mean, I remember kind of like feeling that at times where I was just like, you know, with the wisdom of years now, I can go like, man, I should have moved on from like pining after certain people, you know, when it was very obvious that I was more into it than that person was. So that was like watching the movie. It was a a very deflating realization when you're like, oh no, I am Kevin Connolly. Thankfully, Ben Affleck came to my rescue. And then towards the end of the movie, I was like, wait, but I'm also Ben Affleck. And that's a cooler character. (laughs) So that mix. Uh, I'm not romantic enough to be Jennifer Goodwin. Fair enough. Yep. Hit us up, Contrarians listeners. With your uh, with your own answers, who are you? <laughs> yeah, well, you know a lot of joking, but this is this movie. Even though it goes well over the ninety minute runtime, I feel like it ebbs and flows to these individual stories so well that you kind of it's not paced like a normal movie, and that's really beneficial for you as a viewer. Uh, as far as in America, it's on Tubi for free to check out. Um, yeah, and if you've seen it, let us know who you most closely relate to in this. It's a uh, yeah, like I said, I'd seen it once before when it first came out in the theater. I remember the trailer so well. I have the poster somewhere in my copious amounts of promotional materials I took from the theater when I worked there. Um, <laughs> it's it's a good time. It's not like something that I would add into uh, any type of lists or records or anything like that. Uh, on Letterbox, I gave it three and a half stars. So I think that's coming in. Probably my letter grade would be like a B minus for this. Maybe just even a solid B. There's some good shit in there. It's okay. And one thing that needs this is like prime white people shit. We weren't kidding. There's like three or four characters of color in this. Um, So it is just peak white people shit. Uh, It's a movie, you know, all caps. Um, But there's there's some fun to be had with that. And sometimes uh, there's nothing wrong with just being a movie. (laughs) Sometimes there's nothing wrong with white people. Uh, they that's are people not, too. That's that's not true. <laughs> There's always something wrong with white people, but uh, that's the whole point of the movie. <laughs> uh, I think ending on this note, after all that praise, uh, Peter Travers of Rolling Stones wrote, "Here's a true S and M date. Only sadistic men and masochistic women could love it." <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Peter. I, I okay. So I'm going to land on. I, know, I haven't decided yet. Three and a half or four stars. There's the really good stuff 
kind of snuck up on me. And uh, and I laughed a lot. I, it's funny because uh, the second half of the movie, my wife joined me. And when it was uh-huh. done, uh, we, we, you know, we own it. We have the DVD thanks to her because she used to own it. And, you know, then we joined our uh, our collections. Anyway, when it was over, she looks at me and she's like, well, I'm perfectly fine with getting rid of this movie now. <laughs> and I was like, really? Because <laughs> I, I thought that we were both having a good time. Then I thought back, I was like, no, I was the only one laughing. That makes sense. But she wasn't like fully paying attention. Uh, anyway, I, I, I think it's it's funny. Uh, I wish that it kind of hammered its message home a little harder at the end. But I also think mm-hmm. that it says a lot of things that, even though they're pretty obvious, still need to be said. And uh, I'll give it credit for that. Like, I really love the, 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 the Justin Long philosophy, you know, that the idea of like, Cut the bullshit. If they didn't call you, there's no point playing games and trying to see how you get that person to call you. That's it. Move on. <laughs> They're not interested. More movies like that, please. So uh, we'll go three and a half. Maybe it'll go up to four by the time I'm, I start typing my review. I feel like I brought this up when we were talking about this on the previous episode, but it is worth calling out that Jennifer Aniston was nominated for her performance in this movie. Uh it was a Teen Choice Award that she got nominated for. Well, I guess I should be glad it's not a Razzie. Teen Choice Movie Actress in the Field of Comedy. Jennifer Aniston was nominated for this and Marley and Me. Uh, she was alongside Isla Fisher in Confessions of a Shopaholic, Kate Hudson in Bride Wars, Amy Adams uh, at Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, all four of which lost out to the eventual winner, Anne Hathaway, for her career-defining performance in Bride Wars. Just a god awful movie. <laughs> I I I promised former guest friend of the show Kinsey that I would watch it someday. Cause right, yeah, I saw it with the. Uh, I do remember I saw that with the girl I was dating at the time because she liked it and um. There's a scene in it where like Anne Hathaway dances. It's pretty cool, and you know it's. It's like we were saying earlier. Sometimes a movie's fine, but it's uh, it's not good is the biggest thing with that. Uh, and then the movie itself, He's Just Not That Into You, was nominated for the Teen Choice movie in the field of romance. Nominated alongside The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Confessions of a Shopaholic, Australia, and, <laughs> and the eventual winner, Twilight. Oh, man. I really hope the Battle Orman made the trip all the way to the States. <laughs> It does like fucking John Void at the end of Tropic Thunder. Fuck. It's like he, <laughs> you know, gets mad, shakes the hand of the winner and then walks out. Well, good for Twilight. It's, it is in the contrarian's future. All right. So that was He's Just Not That Into You. And that was the Friend Stravaganza, Julio. Yes, that's it as far as the main feat goes. But it's not entirely over, like we said no. earlier. Patrons. There's an After Hours where we will talk about another spot in Jennifer Addison's filmography. Along came Polly. Polly will come along. Ben Stiller, Phyllis Zimmer Hoffman, Hank Azaria, Alec Baldwin, and of course, Deborah Jennifer Aniston. Deborah Messing, yeah. An all-star cast, another comedy. I, I, I want to say, just from what I remember, Jennifer Aniston gets more screen time in that one than she did in this one. And I think, I would hope that she gets to be funny. Yeah, more often than she does in this one. Judah Freelander's in that as well. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Already more more people of color in that movie. And then uh, it's just not that into you. Starting to stack it up there. And I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, there's probably going to be a recap of the Friends Stravaganza over on our Patreon as well that y'all can check out. Yes. I am toying with the idea, Alex, uh, of us watching like a couple of like actual Friends episodes that I, well, would I don't pick I, for I you. didn't say I was going to go that far but uh <laughs> yeah we can certainly discuss it all right well that's it for the friends travaganza what's next is uh what we teased earlier Jamie Russell patron Jamie Russell has demanded we give last action hero the contrarian treatment John McTiernan if I'm not mistaken Arnold Schwarzenegger I don't know who else is in that movie Charles Dance F. Murray Abraham. Yeah, John McTiernan. Well, should be a blast. I certainly remember, and as I'll bring up in the episode, man, uh, 
like I think it was Burger King had all types of dope ass Happy Meal toys and uh, like these collectors cups and shit. Um, it was it was a happening. It had a whole action figure line, video games. It was one of those movies. It was like Lawnmower Man or uh, Avatar. <laughs> okay. I hope it's not like Lawnmower Man. <laughs> but no, I'm looking forward to it. It's a Shane Black penned film, so no, you know, we definitely know what we're getting in for. <laughs> yes, <laughs> doesn't look good, but okay, we'll see. Um, all right, well, that is that is the future. Alex, get us out of here. All right. Take this one home. We'll start off by giving a thanks to the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. They kick us off with Last Stand. Take us home with Summer of 99. Be sure to head over to thefestiveyears.com for any and all festive years needs. Our friend, fellow podcaster, Hans Rodgieser, is the man behind our logo and all the graphics on our webpage, our Patreon page, our merch page. A very talented man. He has two podcasts, Nación Combi, which is about Peruvian current affairs, and Marginal, which is about economy. He also has a website, mildemonios.pe, that's M-I-L-D-M-O-N-I-O-S.pe. That's where you can check out his other work, including his books. He's written a whole bunch of novels, fantasy novels, zombie novels. Um, you can reach Hans on Twitter at Mildemonios, or you can email him mildemonios at hotmail.com if you have any questions about his work, if you want to commission some art, just, just talk to him, tell him how much you enjoy his work. Hans, thank you for all your support. And thank you to the support of Ms. Zoe Perez, who helps curate our social media. If you're on Facebook, we are too. Facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. There you will find exclusive videos previewing upcoming episodes. And a lot of times including discussions that uh, don't make our recordings here. So uh, maybe even some bonus materials you'll find from time to time. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, at Contrarian Prime. There you'll find interactive graphics, audio clips, images, previewing upcoming episodes, all sorts of good stuff. It looks real pretty in a way Julio and I could not properly execute. So, Zoe, we do appreciate all the work you do for us. And we appreciate you, our listening public, for hanging with us for this Friends Travagranza. Julio, thank you for crafting this and putting this together. Thank you for playing along, Alex. <laughs> not many people would have. It, we, man, we learned a lot along the way. So this was a, an educational process. I'm glad we did it. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Contrarians, where we continue to be right while you continue to be wrong. And we will catch you next time.